Good morning. Uh, my name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, we're going through this series called Next, uh, trying to answer some of those questions of, of who are we supposed to be as a church? Uh, what kind of church does our city need? And so uh, after a time uh, of a lot of prayer and planning um, over the course of the past year, we've worked through uh, a revision of our vision statement. Uh, we've been reminded of our mission statement, and we've been working through these uh, five different um, objectives, these things that we hope to become. And so we've talked uh, so far through being a church that is formed in Jesus. We've talked about being a church with a positive local impact. We've talked about being a church that is diverse, uh, reflecting Grand Rapids in a multitude of different ways. And now we're left with just two weeks left. And this week we're going to talk about multiplication. Uh, next week we will talk about uh, empowering uh, a, a group of diverse leaders at River City Church. Uh, and then uh, coming up uh, on November 6th, so the same day um, as that membership class that Luke just found out about, um, we're going to be uh, having a, a, a really unique service uh, where we're going to share a meal together as we worship, and so I, I hope you can be here that weekend. This room will look different. We'll have tables and chairs around. We are still going to have a worship service, but, but in many ways, we're going to worship um, like they did a long time ago, like in the early church, uh, having a meal and communion uh, uh, centering around the person and work of Jesus, and we'll take that week. Uh, to kind of uh, uh, consecrate and, and pray over um, what we've worked through over the past uh, seven weeks, celebrate the things that God is doing and where we hope that we are going as a church in the future. So I hope you can be there uh, that week as we kind of uh, uh, bring this all together in that moment as we have this special service uh, and share a meal together. But like I said, this week we're going to talk about multiplication. Uh, and, and I'm not sure what your background in the church is, but there is a chance uh, when you hear that word on a Sunday morning uh, that, that maybe you get a little excited and you're like, finally, right? Like, finally, we're going to do something. Like, we're going to double, triple, 3x, 4x. And you're like, you've got all these YouTube videos and you start spazzing a little bit. And, and for you, maybe a little less coffee uh, would be good. And maybe for me as well, I'm finding right now in this moment. Uh, but uh, maybe, it, uh, on the other hand, you hear that word and it makes you a little bit nervous. Um, maybe you've had some experiences in the church around uh, what it means for a church to grow or even uh, the church growth movement, if you will, that, that makes you a little bit wary of words like multiplication. And I do want to address that uh, right off the bat, because as we talk about multiplication here at River City, as we think about that in the span of the next three years and being one of our goals is that we would see multiplication uh, on many different fronts that we'll talk through, uh, I, I want to address that, that elephant in the room, if you will, of what was and, and still is in some context the church growth movement. Uh, much of the church growth movement in, in the early uh, to mid-90s and carrying into the early 2000s was built around a principle of attraction. Uh, that being the goal of the local church and the method for growth in the local church was primarily based on attracting people into the church uh, that, that had similar likes, that had similar preferences. Maybe the most famous, and, and I want to be really careful because I do not want to condemn like anyone. Like we all are trying different things in the church, right? Like we are all uh, hopefully in the name of Jesus trying different strategies. But perhaps the most famous example of this model of, of attraction 
fractional church or, or church growth um, was a Saddleback Church out in California that when they formed their philosophy around building their church, they, they had this uh, concept of this guy named Saddleback Sam, right? A fictional character. And they said, hey, how can we tune our church? Uh, Saddleback Sam, he lives here uh, in, in the California Valley area where we are. He uh, makes this amount of money. These are his or her preferences and likes. And so they built this caricature of this person that they thought uh, was the most common type of person to find in that place. And then they built a church around their preferences. And you know what happened? It, it worked, right? Because people love to be served in that way. People love to have a church built around what they want. And so what happened was that Christians, keyword, all over the area flocked to that church. Now, here's why I want to make sure we say some things. Like, that was how that church grew initially. But uh, uh, praise to God for many of the works that they did to move away from that model, uh, to steer away from it, and to become a church that was very founded then after they gathered those believers in being ev evangelical uh, in the sense of like spreading the word of God and sharing the gospel. So I don't want to condemn that system, but I do want to use it as an illustration because what happened was many, many churches tried to model it, and they had never made that second turn. That instead, much of the church growth, church growth movement was built around attracting people who were already believers to a church that met their needs better. And, and those needs were rarely um, spiritual needs. They were creature comforts, preferences, and styles. And so when we say multiplication, I want us to be really careful uh, to know that the way that we hope for growth at River City is not primarily by providing a better religious good and service to people that already know Jesus. Now, is there a place at River City for believers who, who do not have a church, whose church is not meeting their real needs in terms of spiritual uh, family, in terms of formation around Jesus, in terms of preaching from the word of God? Of course there's a place for people like that. Of course we want people who already know Jesus to be able to step into our family and feel at home. But the way that we hope that River City grows and changes over the years is not through attracting people who already know Jesus to a better, cooler church experience. And maybe you're like, no kidding, man. Like, why well, you're, you're not that cool, right? Like, that's probably not the kind of church that I would lead, maybe if we're honest, unless they really like different varieties of salt, because um, that's what I'm bringing to the game, is stuff like that, right? Every time I do a thing with, like, an illustration, Troy comes to me after he goes, we're a prop church now, and it just kills me. Uh, but Libby said she liked it one week, and so I'm going with it. Uh, so thanks to Libby. Troy, have fun in Disney World. Um, here's what we mean when we talk about multiplication. We'll throw it up on the screen here. Uh, we hope to be a church that is multiplied. That is, we want gospel proclamation and church planting through an unnaturally generous people who passionately pursue those who don't know Jesus. Uh, let's, let's work through this, and we'll open the word of God together today. Would you pray with me for a moment, and then we'll jump in. God, um, as we talk about the kind of growth and multiplication that we, that we pray for and that we feel is laid on our heart at River City, uh, really quickly, um, our insecurities are laid out. Uh, because it doesn't take but a moment for us to realize uh, that, that we are not uh, smart enough, crafty enough, um, that, that we don't have enough courage, that we have a whole list of reasons that this stuff is going to feel really, really hard. 
Um, and so, God, as we head in, as we open your word today, as we see this call to be a people who proclaim the gospel, as we think, Lord, about what that might look like here at River City, in, in our city, our state, our country, and the world over, God, I pray that we would be reminded uh, that you have not given us a mission that you haven't provided the means and the power to accomplish. That, God, the things to which you have called us in your word are things that we can accomplish, not because of our might, uh, not because of our intelligence, not because of our craftiness, but because you have promised to put the wind behind the sails that you call us to ride through. And so, God, I pray that we would feel confident in that and nothing else. And God, I pray that you would move us uh, to become a church that is growing, that is multiplying through those that don't know you. In your name we pray. How we desire to multiply matters. Uh, believers, finding our, our, our church because they don't have a home is awesome. There's, there's always room for people like that, as we said. But, but we do not want this to be the primary means through which we grow as a church. So what do we uh, hope are the two primary means through which multiplication happens at River City over the next three years and into the future? Uh, the first is this gospel proclamation. If you want to turn your Bible to Romans chapter 10, uh, some of you are probably going to be familiar with this passage. It's an awesome one about our call to be proclaimers of the gospel and how God is seeking to work in that way. Romans chapter 10, we'll start at verse 11. It's on the screen. Feel free to be there on your phone um, or a Bible that you have with you or one in the back. It says this. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him who they've not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. God's plan for the growth of the church, God's plan for the establishment and multiplication of his kingdom is a salvation to all people through a message. Uh, Romans 10, 11, we'll read it again. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him, the him there is Jesus, will not be put to shame. This promise of glory instead of shame that is due is the promise of Romans. That, that we are a people who, who in and of ourselves, because of our sin, uh, which we, we love to define here as a, a harmful addiction to failing to image God. This thing in us that doesn't desire to live in, in this perfect, uh, fulfilling way that God has set out for us. And instead, we are addicted to rejecting that, to going our own way, to violating what God has said would bring us the most joy, to modeling, to imaging, to reflecting who he is. Our sin has put us in a place where what we are due is shame. 
And that's hard for us because our culture doesn't think of shame and of honor as our like primary wins, right? If you're an Anglo-American, at least that's true if you grew up like me. Instead, our culture values independence and going our own way quite often in this country. But there are many cultures, both within the states and outside of it, where shame and honor are still very much at the center of what they're thinking about. And that was true in the context in which the Bible was written because the Bible Bible wasn't written to Michigan at first. Amen? Okay? It wasn't just written to, like, Dutch folks. Okay? So you need to break out of this. Like, he's not trying to, like, trigger you in some way uh, and, like, oh, this isn't for me. No. Like, the Bible is putting this in a context in which it was written where shame and honor were the primary means by which people saw themselves before God. Uh, That to live well, to do what was right, was to earn honor. Uh, And what Paul is implying here as he writes Romans is that each of us are due shame because of our actions, because of our standing before God. But through belief in Jesus, on Jesus, that is placing our trust on him as the thing which would carry us forward, that we wouldn't get the shame that we were due. But there would be no shame, right? Now imagine if if shame and honor... Or maybe put that in, in, like, maybe respect is an easier word for some of us to latch on to. Shame and respect. Imagine if those were your primary motivators, and you had a right understanding of who God was in your actions before God. Like, really quickly, uh, the possibility of you earning God's respect, you having honor before God, is, is quite ridiculous, right? Like, God sees everything you do, Right? Like, no one looks cool when they brush their teeth or blow their nose, okay? Okay? And and those are silly examples, but, like, God sees every single fear and anxiety in my heart that revolves around my selfishness. Whether or not, like, things are going to come together perfect for the moment that I've been planning in any given time. He sees every uh, time that I'm not the perfect parent or the perfect husband. He sees every day where I'm just too lazy for no other reason uh, than I just don't feel like doing. Like, before a righteous and holy and perfect God, I know I'm due shame. And yet this is the promise that is made in Romans. That the scripture says, everyone who believes on Jesus will not be put to, will not be given the shame that they are earned. Instead, it says that what God is going to do, no matter who you are, he says, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Greek, doesn't matter where you come from or what your culture is or who you are, what motivates you, no matter who you are, there's no distinction because the same Lord, verse 12, richly blesses all who call on him. He gives them honor where they're due shame. He gives them a bonus where they should be fired. They get an A where they completed none of the coursework. I don't know which one of these is going to track for you, okay? Since there's no distinction now between Jew or Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. This is the beautiful picture that God wishes to set before you. That this is what is possible through Jesus. That that people who are due shame are given honor and riches and blessing. And that naturally makes you go, okay, how? 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is anyone who calls out, who asks for it, who calls on the name of Jesus as the source, the provision for this blessing when they were due shame, that they just get it. Verse 14, how then can they call on him who they not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? So we get this series of rhetorical questions. 
Paul says, hey, here's what God wants. God wants to delve out honor where shame is due. And the way that that happens is through believing on and through calling out in the name of Jesus. But that can't happen for a people who haven't believed in him. And a people can't believe in him unless they've heard about him. And a people can't hear about him unless someone preaches, proclaims about him. And a people can't preach and proclaim about him, verse 15, unless they're sent out to do it. And then there's this, like, doxology statement, right? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What we have in Romans 10 is, like, a beautiful statement of a value. That a people who carry the message of Jesus do an amazing thing. God's plan is salvation through belief for all types of people. It is a message that that is built upon the idea of having messengers. A message that comes through proclamation and sharing and proclaiming. So what we desire as one of the two primary means for gospel proclamation, for multiplication to happen, is proclaiming the gospel, number one. Now that River City, its people would see and believe in this message of Jesus, uh, this perfect son of God, God himself who paid for the sins of the world, who rose from the dead, who offers new life, all just through proclaiming his name, who offers blessing where shame was due. We hope to see River City multiply primarily through the proclamation of the gospel. Because this is the means that is laid out in scripture for how we ought to grow as the people of God. Not just here at River City, but as the church as a whole. And it was how the church grew. Now, as uh, we think about our church, we want then to like take a pulse on our evangelism from time to time. Uh, and, and I want to say this, and, and I want you to know like there's grace in this next moment. But the pulse on evangelism for us is, is abysmally low. Uh, to the point that, like, like I said, there's grace, and we'll get there. But like, if we just persist, if we just move forward over the next three years, and there is not a, a higher uh, known quantity of the amount of time that we as people in our body, in particular as members of River City Church, of the leaders at River City Church, like we're all in this boat together, okay? Uh, If the pulse is not increased, if we are not hearing the stories uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ being shared, if we are not calling people to him more, if we are not starting to see, Lord willing, fruit of people coming to faith in Jesus, then we should not keep doing this. We are wasting resources and time. We are exhausting ourselves to make a church service. Now, it's been a difficult season for this. And so that's where there's a lot of grace. Like, it is okay to acknowledge uh, because, like, yeah, I, most of us, we've, we've moved on through the crazy period of COVID, uh, but man, like, the scars are still there, right? I got to hang out with my cousin um, and her husband and kids last night. Um, and so they have uh, two little kids, like both really born in the span of COVID, one right before and then a baby during. And like, they're just trying to figure out like, how do people leave their home with children, right? 
because they didn't leave their home for a long time because of the period that we're in. So they're trying to figure that out. And they're like, yeah, we, we realize, like, we want to get out of the house. We want our, our kids to socialize. We want to see family. But, like, we don't know how to do it. Like, we're late wherever we go. This is crazy. It's a little even still scary in some ways. We've been through a crazy time. And so there is a lot of grace for that. Uh, the, the work of, of church multiplication, of the proclamation of the gospel, is years over years over years. But as we look on this time, we must also realize that, that for many of us, uh, because it was such a difficult time to meet new people, to make new relationships, uh, this concept of meeting other people to proclaim the gospel has taken a back burner in our lives for many. Add to the fire on that the difficulty that we are presented with as we are reminded around every corner that our belief is divisive in many ways. Uh, we, we can internalize that in our mind and start to believe things that just aren't true about our ability to build relationships and to share the truth of who Jesus is. And so I want you to like take a deep breath because remember this, church. You don't have anything to prove before Jesus, okay? Like, Jesus is not up in heaven with a crib sheet of like, well, they didn't share the gospel enough, and so they're not on my team anymore. That's not how this works, okay? Like, you have nothing to prove. Jesus has accomplished everything that needed to be accomplished for God to be satisfied in you if you have called out in his name. Because you have been given blessing where you were due shame. But as we rejoice in that blessing, oh, that the temperature in our hearts would rise to share that free gift with the world around. I, I just want us to wake up in that way a little bit. I just want us to acknowledge uh, that, that maybe because of some of the difficulty and the pain that we've been through, we've just forgotten to put effort into this area. We've forgotten to try. We've forgotten that the scripture says it's beautiful for you to carry the truth of the gospel. That it is beautiful for you to go out and to do that. It is a message with messengers. Salvation through belief in Jesus for all people. We hope that the means of multiplication first are gospel proclamation. Uh, and second, we hope that, that one of the means of gospel proclamation is church planting. Okay, so think back to the early church where the gospel begins to proclaim. Almost like within like a few pages of the Bible, within months and years, not tens of years, not 30, 40 years, as the gospel spreads in Scripture, almost instantaneously, wherever the gospel spreads, people begin to gather churches begin to form uh, groups of people worshiping together, uh, being on that mission to carry forward the gospel of Jesus, to proclaim his name. Almost instantly, wherever believers uh, started to believe, they began to gather together. Uh, the formation of local, local churches encourages groups of believers in a specific place at a specific time to be sent out on a mission. Uh, the foundation of this movement is Jesus of Nazareth. As Peter is told, I will build my church on this rock. He says to Peter, you're going to be one of my first church planters. As the church forms in Jerusalem, you're going to lead it. But then the gospel is going to go out and the church is going to spread and new assemblies are going to multiply. 
And so as we push forward in the next three years, we hope that the temperature for evangelism through gospel proclamation is raised here at River City Church. We pray that people are coming to meet Jesus. And then one of the goals that we've set um, in faith of what God is going to do is that in three years, that because of the fruit of our labor here at River City Church, that we would be in the process of starting to plant some sort of other locally connected church. And that's a big dream, but it's one of the dreams that we started with. A River City Church started because there was a passion for planting new churches, for seeing new bodies, groups of people express the gospel in a unique way in local context. And the way that that continues to happen is that we as a body would generously share the truth of the gospel, that we would generously share resources and people, that we would see new bodies formed. What's this going to look like? Where is this going to be? No idea. Thankful for the time that we have. But we hope to resource, train, and find those who wish to plant churches and be a part of that. And we pray that we can be on the road with a clear path forward to that in three years. And that's a dream that I think is going to continue to grow for us and something that we can really uh, get excited about and run forward towards. I'll just tell you like how I think about this is that, that I hope um, that, that as we become a people passionate more and more about sharing the truth of the gospel, as we see more and more people come into this space, become a part of our body. Um, one of my favorite things about River City is, is that I hope this is true forever, that, that, that I hope it feels pretty easy uh, to get connected here over the course of a couple weeks. That as you start to come around, we, we love to see this family grow. Uh, not because we're trying to like boost our stats or accomplish some like task of like, oh, we hope this be. We love when people can find home and family here. And so I hope that as more and more people find home and family here, people who are meeting Jesus and coming and people who are, are orphaned and not part of a body who find uh, peace and family here, that we would grow to a size where we would be able to graciously build teams and ask people to leave. That we'd be able to say, hey, you know what? Um, uh, you know, on my heart, like I, I don't have some big hope that River City would be some like gigantic church. I hope that we have thresholds of a couple hundred people, and when we get to that point, we're able to say, hey, 80 of you people, we want you to go over here and start a new work. That just sounds beautiful to me. Like in our local community, within the greater Grand Rapids area, to be able to say, you know what, we're going to send out people and resources. Uh, even as we think about like long-term budgeting, one of the things that we're trying to uh, plan around is like, how do we budget uh, for a size that as we get beyond it, then we get to send people out and see that money and those people go that we'd be able to see churches planted uh, around our area and then, Lord willing, uh, in, in Michigan, because that's the state in which we live, in the Midwest, in the United States, and then be able to splant, support global church planting along the way as well. Now, one of the primary means throughout all of time in Scripture is that church planting uh, is something that naturally raises the temperature of evangelism in a body. It is one of the easiest places for people to step in and to believe for the first time, and that's all the more needed in creative ways in the, in the place and the time in which we live right now. So the means that we hope for uh, is that we be multiplied through gospel proclamation and church planting. Uh, what are the enablers? What are the actions uh, that will enable this multiplication? Well, the first is this, unnatural generosity. Uh, here's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. It says this. 
We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that according to their ability, and even beyond their ability and their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. Not just as we had hope, instead they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So we urged Titus that just as he had begun, as he should also complete among you in this act of grace. Uh, Paul is telling a story here to the Corinthian church of something crazy that had happened. You see, uh, in the early church, because it was so regionalized, uh, there was very much this philosophy of ministry and relief being done as churches uh, in the region contributed towards one big thing and then to actions together. And so he's telling this story to the Corinthians of what happened uh, to the brothers and sisters in Macedonia who were apparently from this passage very, very poor. That they basically came to Paul in their poverty and they begged for the ability to participate in these mass offerings for the mission in their region. Isn't that cool? Like this church, this group of people begging, despite the fact that they had very little, that they were in affliction and pain, they wanted so badly to be a part of the work of the gospel. And I read that, and like that is the definition, that is the picture of where we get this unnatural generosity term that we use here at River City Church. That we want the way that we contribute, that we want the way that we give to just seem uh, strange or otherworldly. And that's what I think about when I think about those Macedonian believers. That they so badly wanted to be a part of the work of God. That they saw so clearly that the way that they gave of themselves was connected to the work that God was doing. That even though they may have been poorer than the people that they were helping. Or the places to which they were sending people. They begged to be a part of it. And that encourages me in a few different ways. It reminds me that no matter what my means is. Uh, that God wishes to work through what I can do whether that's in talent, in finances, or in capacity. Uh, it, it encourages me uh, because it's a work that I think only God can do. Uh, it's a work that, it, that is in itself like a, a miracle that we want to ignore. Uh, the empowerment of our mission here in Grand Rapids, the empowerment of our mission here at River City, uh, church planting here and beyond, uh, uh, just having uh, more resources to care for, to equip, to enable us here, um, all of these things um, often seem limited by money. Now, when we talk about generosity at River City Church, we love to talk about it in three ways. Uh, we love to talk about it in terms of our time, uh, that is the way that we serve, the way that we give uh, hours of our lives to the mission. Uh, we, we think about it in terms of our money, the, the physical uh, gifts, uh, finances that we're able to provide for the ministry that is being done and will be done in the future. And then we talk about emotional capacity, um, our ability to give a bit of ourselves, to bear each other's burdens, whether those be physical, uh, emotional, or we take on the weight of, of living together as a family. And, and so we think about generosity very much in that three-pronged way. But in particular, right now, I do want to talk about the money side of it. And this isn't like a pitch. Like, it's not like we found a deficit this week and, like, we're going to pass the buckets again in a minute or something like that. Which, like, I mean, you're like, well, I mean, I don't carry cash anyway. Just put your credit card in there. That's cool. Like, we'll, we'll find some stuff. Um, I don't know why I said that. Like, this isn't, this isn't about what our needs are right now. In fact, like, I want to say, like, man, God has been 
so richly faithful to River City through the giving of the people of River City. We have never had a time where we didn't have uh, the money. I mean, maybe our first months where like we were just starting, but like in general, we have not run deficits. And we've been able to even save a little bit for like future efforts or spaces or whatever might come and be able to have a reserve to be safe in that way. Like this is not about whether or not we have enough money to do the ministry in front of us at this moment. Instead, what I want to say is this, that as we start to have this goal around multiplication, one of my prayers is that in our body, our mindset would shift from being a people who are just trying to provide for what we need as a church to being a people who are trying to think towards the future and care for other people who aren't us, right? Uh, I think about it like this. Remember like when your mom would come to see you in college, right? That was exciting because if you were at a school like me, the food was not great. And when mom came to town, it meant like, we're going out for lunch, right? Like, this is cool. Like, this is a meal. Or like, man, maybe she would like even like pay for your laundry, right? Like, when mom came to town, like, you knew like, we get to go to a restaurant. And it's not Chipotle when you drop stuff like a burrito and get a free one, because that's how it used to be. Uh, I want one time, maybe it's my fault, we hit four Chipotles once on Halloween, just with tinfoil around our heads, four free burritos. Those were the golden days. That's, <laughs> oh my God, I almost said something. That's when things were good. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it was awesome. I, I want our mentality to be more like that. Like, how, how sad would it have been if, like, I went out to, like, dinner with my mom when she came to town college and she was like, we're going Dutch, right? Like, I would have been shocked, right? And maybe your relationship with your parents was different, but, like, for me, that would have been like, we're doing what? Like, that's going to be a problem for me, right? <laughs> Those tips at Starbucks weren't that good this week. Um, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I want our mentality more and more as a church to shift to being like loving providers. Uh, uh, people whom, when they think about the way that they contribute, are not thinking about like, well, you know, I had a cup of coffee today. Um, the chair was somewhat comfortable. Um, I don't know how much AC costs, maybe like 75 cents a person. Uh, heat a buck in the winter, and, and I've calculated out my giving, right? Uh, we don't want to be the kind of people who are generous to cover our tab, to buy our ticket. That's not what we're about. We want to be the kind of people that, that think forward towards the multiplication of ministry and being able to give towards the provision of others. In particular, when we think about uh, multiplication through evangelism, that means that there are going to be people in our body who often haven't thought through generosity at any point in their life. And maybe you're here today and you're like, well, I've never really thought about this as a believer or a new believer or, or just been coming around here for a while. We want to be a people that equip our body to be able to do ministry to a wide variety of people. Some who have and some who don't. Some who have thought through giving and generosity and some who just haven't yet. And we want to be a safe place for people to work through those things in an environment where they can give in their joy. And so for those of you who are believers, who have been walking with the Lord for a while, who are thinking about generosity, I would just encourage you like, to take those times and think, like, man, am I giving like a loving parent who wants to provide for the needs of new people in our body? Um, am I contributing in all of those ways, in the way I serve, in the way that I give financially, in the way that I offer my life, so that other people have a free place to step into, that they might grow in the same grace and time that I was given when I was younger in the faith. Because this isn't just an age thing, obviously. 
Uh, this, is, this is a maturity and, and a long-suffering way. In particular, for those of you who are members of River City, who have taken that step to become a member, like I, I want you to deeply think about uh, the ownership that you have in making future ministry happen here. That we might see multiplication happen. Uh, so the actions of multiplication, first, unnatural generosity, and second, uh, passionately pursuing those who don't know Jesus. I've already obviously talked about this a little bit, but this is where we'll close out for today, is on this concept. Uh, here's Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 18. Uh, As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. This is Jesus. Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and the brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, and preparing their nets. He called to them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Uh, we have this picture um, early in the book of Matthew. Um, in every gospel that this is in, it, it comes shockingly early in the story, right? That one of the first things that the writers of the Gospels want to communicate is the, the pace at which people uh, chose to leave everything they had that they could go follow and be like Jesus. We see Jesus calling his disciples into a radically new life. And for these people, it required a profession change. Now, uh, if you're like me and you heard this story uh, as a kid or, or like uh, you've even processed this now in this moment, maybe you're thinking Jesus is doing just like a cute illustration, right? Oh, they're fishing for fishies. And so I'll tell them they're going to fish for women and women, right? That is not what's going on here. Like, yes, there's some wordplay that they are fishing and he he is calling them to fish for men. But what we need to realize is that this was actually a common uh, way to refer to Jewish uh, leaders and teachers in the community. That it was common uh, that those who were Jewish teachers who had many disciples following them were those who were known as fishers of men. That they were known as people who their words and teaching attracted others to them who would then contribute to the work that they were doing and they would ultimately be able to themselves be teachers who gathered people to themselves to share the message and thought and the taught that they were taught. And so when Jesus calls these men to come be fishers of men, it is not purely that they are leaving what they are doing as if they're leaving it for something that wasn't lucrative. Instead, Jesus presents before them an opportunity that they cannot give up. These men know who Jesus is. They have started to hear about who he is clearly because of their response. This isn't just like a Holy Spirit takeover that makes them leave their profession and follow Jesus. They are excited at the offering to be like this man. They are seeing an opportunity presented before them that they might too be fishers of men. That they might be people who get to instruct men and women in the way of God. Was there sacrifice? Was there risk? Was there fear as we see uh, two of them walk away from their dad? They like leave him in the boat, which that guy, I want that guy's story. Like, what the heck? Like, now I fish alone? Bad news. This was an opportunity to come and follow and be like Jesus. 
This is the description of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, is that we are a people who, having followed Jesus ourselves, now call others to follow Jesus. Uh, This is perhaps the most succinct description, just in that phrase, you will now fish for men, of what discipleship is. That you, having walked in contact with Jesus, you likely, having walked in contact with other believers that taught you what it meant to walk with Jesus, now have the opportunity to reach out to other people and say, hey, I have found a better way, right? I have found a thing that works. Uh, When my cousin and uh, her husband were over last night, they're currently, like, building a new kitchen. And we've been really thankful for, like, uh, the system of, like, cabinetry that we put in our kitchen. And so, like, they're trying to find a way to, like, both have an affordable kitchen that looks uh, nice. And and that's what we really found with this system. And so, like, we're walking them through the kitchen. And we're like, yeah, and you can do this and this. And I was, like, find myself, like, I'm getting, like, committed here. I'm like, man, if they don't choose this, I'm going to be offended because I have clearly presented this as the best way, it becomes really easy to be evangelistic about your stupid cabinet system, right? Because you spent time on it. You learned about it. You're convinced that it is the best way to go if you want to have this type of thing in this type of way. That is how we ought to be with the gospel. That we are so convinced that following after Jesus is what brings the most joy and life to us that we can't do anything but go out and share that message with other people. That is what it means to be a fisher of men. It's not that you learn evangelistic tricks, right? Because maybe even that word like evangelism is difficult for you as baggage for you. It's not that you like, uh, you know, in my day we had like, like a fake wallet made of paper and you laid it on the ground and you waited for somebody to come pick it up and it was like, oh, you thought you found treasure, but really you found the greatest treasure. Like, no, that's aggravating, right? It's not that. It's not tricks. Uh, While methods to help you remember truth about Jesus, things like the Romans Road, this four spiritual laws, like those aren't bad. Those are great. Like it is great to learn tools to help you internalize uh, the person and the work that we are calling people to do. But it's not tricks that you learn. It's not a method or a way. It is a life. Jesus called these men. He calls you and I to a life, a life where we are so convinced because we have been walking with Jesus. We have been seeing him as our peace. We have found joy and flourishing in him that we go and we find others who don't seem to have that. And we say, hey, why don't you walk with me? We don't demand it that day. Like, hey, you must perfectly do this in this moment. We say, hey, why don't you walk with me? Why don't I share this piece of my life with you? We are around them. We befriend them because they are valuable, beautiful image bearers of God who we can learn from and take joy in relationship with. We show them that Jesus whom has given us life. They're called to be fishers of men. Yeah, so like while it's maybe hard like to be called to generosity in terms of money, uh, money's not all you need to give. Effort, risk, and time, these are the things that I find I have too little of. Our professions don't likely need to change. Um, our priorities probably do that we will not likely have opportunities to fish for men and women if we don't put time in our lives in margin with which to make relationships and to call people to follow him. Uh, Troy talked about the outreach event that we had this week, just trying to go in the community and say, hey, we're here. We'd just like you to know that like, we care about you. We'd love to ask you, how can, how can we help in this community? Um, 
In my head, it was way worse, right? I was scared. I was, like, sitting in the back corner while we were doing, like, time of prayer and instruction. I was like, man, I hope people don't know how much I don't want to do this, right? Like, I was really scared. And, like, maybe for some of you, like, thoughts about this evangelism, maybe even that, if you were here, was pretty scary for you. But, but I'll tell you what I found. Like, it took me, like, two doors, and I was fine, right? I knocked on two doors. I was like, well, that guy didn't shoot me, and I was good, right? I didn't get yelled at. Like, no one seemed overly aggravated that I was there. Um, I think evangelism may be a similar thing for you. Like, this idea of pursuing people, of, of, of being a fisher of men. Um, if, if that's a scary word for you, I want to tell you you're not alone. And, and here's what we're going to do. This is kind of, this is weird. Troy will probably have a comment about it later. But we're just going to take a minute, okay? So what I'd like you to do is, is get out your phone. Okay? If you have a phone with you, um, or if you have a piece of paper, like however you take notes for a second, I want you to get out your phone, I want you to open your notepad on there, I want you to take a piece of paper, your journal, whatever you have with you in this moment, and we're just going to take like 60 seconds to, to two minutes, uh, Steve's going to turn on a little music, it's going to be Russian roulette, we'll see what song it is, might be weird, deal with it if it is. I just want you to write down the two or three things that are difficult in your heart when you think about sharing the gospel with other people. When you think about being a fisher of men, what are the first reasons that you say no, not right now? Why don't you take a second and just write those down. Don't show them to people around you. We're not going to pass this around in a minute. Just write those down. Okay? got those there. Um, if you wrote that on a piece of paper or in your notes, uh, I'd like you to try and keep it. Um, if you have it in your phone, um, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to take a second here as we close. I'm just going to spend a minute in prayer. Because here's what I want to ask you. Like, what if, what if at River City Church, we were a people for whom sharing the truth of the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, was on our minds more? What if it was more at the surface of who we are? Now, what if we were a people who readily sacrificed our time, our money, our emotional capacity for the sake of the proclamation of the gospel? Now, what if the non-believers in our lives, people who don't yet know Jesus, what if they knew us to be some of the most reliable, empathetic, and generous people that they know. Uh, what would it look like if you were the person that in their life, when everything went south, they turned to you? 
What would it look like if more people cried on your couch? What if you sat here surrounded on a Sunday? What if in your city groups, the people that you were around were people that you had personally got to move and see move from death to life? And so I just want you to look back at what you just wrote for a moment. And I just want you to ask yourself in this moment, like, if, if any of those things seem beautiful to you, would it be worth warring through those things that you wrote? And, and start to ask yourself in this moment, like, as I look at these things, is it an effort thing? Like, is it, is, it I, is it I just don't want to do it? Is it a fear thing? Is it a resource thing? No matter which of those things that it is, I want to encourage you uh, that God wishes to empower you that these would not be barriers to you passionately proclaiming the truth of who Jesus is. That these are not barriers through the power of the Spirit to help you get through the fear, to provide you with the resource either personally from God himself caring for you or from your body around you. Uh, that, that there are resources, if it is a, a learning or a knowledge gap, whatever you put on those cards, I, I want to encourage you that God is faithful to provide. And so throughout this week, um, if you're in a city group, I'm going to encourage you this week at city group, uh, if you feel confident enough to share one or two of those. Just to share with your group one of those burdens, one of those barriers that makes sharing the gospel, that makes passionately pursuing those who don't need, know Jesus seem difficult. I'm going to ask you to share maybe one of those at your group, and, and then I'm just going to ask you, no matter if you're in a group or not, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus who desires to grow in this way, would you just faithfully pray around these for a week? Just for a week. Would you try and work in some time this week? Maybe just two or three times, maybe every day, maybe a couple times a day, whatever. However you feel like you can do this. Just pray that God would provide and that you would see growth in these areas. That he would enable the work that he has called you to. Because ultimately, church, like it is not about you. It is not whether or not you are strong enough, smart enough, or you have enough. It is about the mission which God has called us to that he has promised to empower. And so let's just take a chance on asking him for help in that and then perhaps stepping out in faith to share the truth of Jesus with the world around us. Ultimately, we pray that at River City Church, we would be multiplied. The gospel proclamation and church planting through an unnaturally generous people who passionately pursue those who don't know Jesus would be true of this church in the future. Let's pray. God, as I look at what I wrote, Lord, I, I feel so often just at my capacity and tired. God, would you help me to build margin into my life for those that don't know you? God, I often feel scared. Just scared of rejection. Um, scared of doing more harm than good. God, would you place my confidence in you? Take a moment now. We'll just be quiet here for a second and pray for yourself. Ask God for help on whatever you wrote. Just to yourself quietly. Lord God, would you hear the prayers of your people who earnestly desire to do the work to which we've been called. 
God, we pray that we would see a massive movement of the Holy Spirit at River City in the next three years. A people whose pulse for evangelism, whose effort and prayer and drive around these things are increased because of your work in our lives. God, we pray that we would see churches planted, that we would be able to be a mother church to another church who faithfully shares the gospel in in a different context, even if it's within the Grand Rapids area, Lord. I mean, praise God if it is. God, we pray that you would work, that we would see uh, these, these pieces of multiplication come together, that you would make us a generous people who see uh, the people in our lives who don't yet know you as a gift, as image bearers of God with whom we can have deep, rich friendships as we love them and show them the grace that you've shown us and ultimately have occasion to tell them of Jesus, his work, his truth, and his life. I pray this in your name.